I want you to turn to Habakkuk chapter 2. Real quick, is Habakkuk Old Testament or New Testament? Thank you so much for uh, getting that right. Turn to Habakkuk chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I want you to think about this. You know, it seems that we are born with this thirst to know. And the only way that we gain knowledge, the only way that we gain to know different things is by asking questions. Now here's what happens. At the very young age of about two years old, we, our children have all these great questions at age two. Sometimes they even ask those questions to us fathers and we say, "Uh, you probably need to go ask your mother about that question and then what happens is as they grow up they ask all the questions starting at age two and then when they reach age 18 guess what they have all the answers right you know how that goes especially if you're a parent or a grandparent we don't ever lose that urge to ask questions when we're young some of those questions are more of curiosity for example Why is the sky blue? And then we give that answer, and what do our kids say? But why? And then we we try to come up with answer B, and they say what? Still don't understand, so why is the sky blue? And they ask all these questions. Then they say, why do I have to eat this broccoli? To which mothers say, because I made it. And because it's going to be good for you, and you're going to like it. I'll never forget when I was a little boy, I wanted to be like Popeye. I did. So I told my grandmother one day, I said, hey, Mima, here's what I want you to do. I want want you to make me some spinach. She said, okay, I'll be happy to do that. She said, I don't think you're going to like it. I said, I've got to like it because that's the only way that I can be like Popeye. So I want to eat some spinach. Man, as she was making the spinach that day, I thought, oh, I mean, the smell was just awful. How many spinach lovers do we have in the audience? Bless your heart. Good night. So as she made that spinach and put it in the bowl, And I got closer and closer to it. I kind of smelled of it. And I said, I don't ever want to be like Popeye again the rest of my life. I never tasted spinach that day. And when I did taste it for the first time, you can only imagine what I did. I gagged and then I spit it out. So if you ever want to make me spinach, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to eat it. So the older we get, sometimes our questions get a little harder, and they go a little deeper. And they take on more urgency. And they're often asked out of desperate situations. And so what we find in life is this. Sometimes it seems that the older we get, that we have a lot more questions than we do answers. If you read your Bible long enough, I mean page after page after page what you find is there's a lot of people there's a lot of good characters in scripture that asked big questions that childless couple facing an unfulfilled promise ask will a son be born to a man a hundred years old 
Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And then hear the desperation in those words as Abraham expects the answer to be no. And when everything has fallen apart, his health and his family and his personal fortune, he asks all those questions to God. And then when there is nothing left, Job. Boy, Job had the questions, didn't he? Job can't help but ask, your hands shaped me and made me, will you now turn and destroy me, God? Remember that you molded me like clay. And his question is, will you now turn me to dust again? And then after being ridiculed by a priest and denounced by his family and rejected by his friends and having other respected prophets contradict and laugh at him, Jeremiah asked this tough, tough question, why was I even born? And then you turn the pages in the New Testament in the face of that storm that threatened to take their life and the disciples find themselves in a small boat out on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus was asleep and he woke up with this question, teacher, don't you even care if we drown? We could go on and on with all the questions that characters, that people of faith had for Almighty God. And I'm looking at an audience this morning, and guess what? We too have our questions for God. And so if you look closely, you notice something about all those questions the ones asked in the face of unfulfilled promises, those that were asked in personal tragedy, the questions that are on our lips when difficult people try to steal our joy that we have in Christ, or when we're facing danger, or even when we face undeserved punishment. Here's what we begin to see. When times get tough, people start directing their questions to the man upstairs to God. And so right in the middle of that tradition of questioning, God brings on Habakkuk. And his work is totally different than any other writing prophet in the history of Israel. He's known, as we talked about last week, as that skeptic prophet. He's known as that guy who makes him different is he never says a word to another person. What he does is he takes all of his questions and he gives them to God. And there's one thing we know about Habakkuk already. He is not shy in asking questions to God. You know, sometimes I'm afraid that we have grown up and that we have been raised with this mindset that says you don't ask questions to God. Man, we've, we've seen already from four different biblical examples, that's not biblical at all, is it? It is okay to ask your questions to God. And I think what God wants his people to do is this. When life get t- gets tough, and in Habakkuk's situation, as he's looking around at the world that he's living in, as he's looking at all the injustice, 
He's looking at all the things that just aren't fair. He's looking at all of those things about life, and he looks to God and he says, God, are you going to do something? God, are you being serious? You're going to use these people, and you're going to work in these situations? God, I, I can't even fathom that. It's almost like Habakkuk saying, God, I really don't agree with what you're doing. And in the midst of all of those questions, which is okay, it's as if God looks to Habakkuk and he looks to us and he says, you know what, you can ask all the questions that you want. That is fine. But at the end of the day, here's what you've got to realize. The righteous will live by faith. And that means when the righteous live by faith, even when we doubt God, we still worship. Even when we don't agree with all the injustice that's going around in the world then, church, is there injustice going on in the world today? There will be injustice going on in the world until Jesus comes back to claim his own. Even when you look at something that you don't like, even when you look at something and you're wondering, is God there? Or, God, are you going to do anything about this? It's in the midst of all of that that God looks to Habakkuk, he looks to us, and he says, if you want to really be close to me, if you want to really connect with me, you've got to let me be God and you've got to listen to my voice and follow. Boy, listening and following. Easier said than done, right? But God says, that's the way that life is in my kingdom. Listen to my voice and follow the leading that I have for you. And so when Habakkuk looks around and he sees things that he just cannot begin to understand, it's in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 12, that he says, O Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you've appointed them to execute judgment. O rock, you have ordained them to punishment. God is reminding Habakkuk, here's who I am. I'm eternal. All these things that you see around you is not going to last. But you look at me, I will be here forevermore. And so you don't put your faith and your hope in the things that you see. You put your hope and your faith in that which you cannot see. That's faith. And God says, I'm eternal. I'm personal. I want to get to know you on a personal level. Have you allowed your God to do that with you? Have you allowed God to enter into your heart and your soul and your mind and really get to know who you are? Because when you do that, not only does he get to know you, you get to know him. 
and his desires and his plans that he has for you. And the closer you get to God, the more that you realize, you know what? The man upstairs is really for me. The man upstairs is really on my side. The man upstairs is really coming down with his son Jesus to get down on our level to help us realize this is how you live life. And when all the going gets tough, you bow down to him who created you. But you know what? The bottom line is this. We are so hard to please. We are so hard to make happy. The church, the last time I checked, God didn't call us to be happy. He called us to be holy. He called us to be holy just as he is holy. And what he desires for your life is this. Follow me. But you've got to make a choice. Do I follow the one who created life for me? Or do I follow the alternative? In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says it like this. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to, what's the word? Destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to, leads to what? Oh, come on. Leads to life. And only a few find it. Will you be one of the few? See, you have to decide. It's kind of like all the road signs that we see. Man, look at that. That's just a glimpse of all the different road signs that we see as we travel. And as we're on this path of life, all those road signs are there for us. They're there for our safety. Now, if you ignore them, whose fault is that? Good answer. It's your fault. Out of the mouths of babes, right? They're there for your protection. If you ignore it, you pay the consequence. Jesus maps everything out for us in life. And his request is, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That's his request. And then we have to kind of stand back and decide, man, I mean, you look at that, it kind of gets a little blurry, kind of gets a little confusing, right? Not meant to be that way, the life that Jesus has mapped out for us. But we have to decide, am I going to stay on that path and am I going to follow him? Knowing that if I do, it leads to life. And knowing that the whole way that I'm on that path there's a lot of, th I can't see 10 miles down the road. I can't see what 20 years will bring. But again, what does God tell Habakkuk? The righteous will live by faith. 
You have to trust in a God that you cannot see. You have to trust that he really knows what's best. You have to decide whether or not you will follow the signs. And so for our reading this morning from Habakkuk, I want you to look in Habakkuk chapter 2, and I want you to look beginning in verse 4 of the signs. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him. He's arrogant, never at rest, because he's as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied He gathers to himself all the nations and take captive all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion? How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey. And because you have plundered many nations, the peoples who are left will plunder you. For you've shed human blood, you've destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You've plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire? That the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they're drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it's your turn. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and your destruction of animals will terrify you. For you've shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman? Or an image that teaches lies. For the one who makes it trust in his own creation, he makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life or to a lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver and there's no breath in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him God says Habakkuk here's the deal as you're on this path of life you know that you're on the road to destruction when these following things take place it's just like God saying here's your sign you may get that by lunchtime your greed Verses 6 to 8. Your selfishness. And he goes on to say your treatment of others and your guidance of others to do wrong. And you're putting everything else 
above God. And here's the scary thing. All of these things can become our gods that we worship. And at the end of the day, we begin to realize all of these things. That's why he's saying, woe, woe if you do this and woe if you do that. In other words, you better be careful because it may look good, but it's not. It's not going to last. And so sometimes in this life, we get so wrapped up into all these things that look good, but they are of no benefit to the people of God. And sometimes we buy it to the point they become our God. And before long, we're worshiping a little God instead of God of heaven and earth. And my favorite part of this passage is in verse 20. He says, you see all of these things, woe to you, and you have all of this stuff that's going on in life, all these if-thens, the questions and the answers that come. Then in verse 20, notice what he says. But the Lord, where is he? He's in his holy temple. And may all the earth What do you do when life has more questions than answers? But the Lord is in his holy temple. What do you do? You worship. You worship even when you don't feel like it. You worship even when you're not in the mood You worship when things don't make sense. You worship when you look all around you and there's so many wrong things taking place. It's as if God says, don't worry about all that. Worry about me. All these other things, they, they don't last. They're not worth it. But the Lord is in his holy temple the lord is in his holy temple let all the earth keep silence before him keep silence keep silence silence before him so what are the struggles in your life what is it right now and here's your homework assignment what you're our preacher man you're not a school teacher here's your homework assignment here's your challenge for this week as you search the scriptures And as you search your life, you remember what God told Habakkuk to do? Write it down. And now this morning, I'm challenging you to do this. Turn your struggles into questions for God. 
He doesn't fear those questions. He just simply desires that you trust that he knows the answers. That's what it means to live by faith. Take your struggles, turn them into questions that you have for God. Just like Abraham, just like Job, just like the disciples, just like Jesus. Those who live by faith have enough trust that God knows the answers to life's toughest questions. And they're not afraid to ask them. And so I'm going to ask that you stand right now. And I want you to look at the scripture on the screen in front of you. And when we begin to realize all these questions that we have, I want you to put it in perspective like James does. Let's read this together. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Take your questions that you have of life and give them to God.